you have to have an awful lot of poppies to make heroin. So I, my mom, my mom oh, had a large enough field of them <laughs> that people, people began to wonder. But. Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchek, James Kernan, Amy Luby, and Carl Palachuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts Technology Community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Welcome, everybody, to the SMB Community Podcast. Um, today, your hosts are Carl James and Amy Babinchak. So uh, let's get started. What are you guys up to today or this week? Well, I'm, I'm doing allergies. <laughs> That's, that's my main agenda item, deal with allergies. You know, <laughs> tis the season. We both happen to be here in Las Vegas as we're recording this, and I'm having allergies as well. I asked a local and they said, yeah, it's, it's awful. So that's just a, just a thing. In, uh, in Sacramento, we're having uh, things called super blooms where right. there's just been just the right amount of rain and temperature and whatever that flowers are going insane. So, yeah, I, I had just gotten back from um, Napa, which isn't too far from from you, right. Carl, and and that's exactly what everybody was just saying. It was like because of all the rain that you've had the two previous months, uh, the super bloom was going on. So uh, I I think I'm still feeling it, but I'm I'm the only one not traveling today. Excited what? about that. I'm in lovely Omaha, <laughs> Nebraska. And it's uh, sunny and 70. This super bloom that's going on, this is all about the poppies, right? I've been hearing about how amazing the poppies are in California. Yeah, that's, Someday that's just I'm going to figure out how to get there. And <laughs> so these are not the same poppies that you have in Michigan. No. No, they're, these are little yellow flowers that are very, because what you get is actually uh, heroin poppies. So. Yeah, great big ones. Yeah. yeah, these are cute little flowers, bright yellow. All righty, so five minutes with a smart person. I caught up with Larry Mandelberg, who has a brand new book out called Businesses Don't Die, They Commit Suicide. And it's all about how businesses fail in large part because they can't deal with their own success and the growth and the new challenges that come up. This is Carl, and it is time for five minutes with somebody really smart. So I, I'm here with a really smart guy named Larry Mandelberg, who, among other things, is a, uh, a business advisor, and you may know him as a member of the board of directors for the National Society of IT Service Providers. Larry has been a writer forever. I, I realized when I was reading your book that it's really well written, and then I thought, oh, of course it is. He's been writing for the business journals since about 1804. Um, so, <laughs> so anyway, welcome. And uh, let's talk about your brand new book. Thank you. Great to be here, Carl. So the book is Businesses Don't Fail, They Commit Suicide. 
how to survive success and thrive in good times and bad. Uh, you know, it really strikes me because one of the things I've always noticed about businesses is, and, and we have a local, uh, I don't know what it was, like an orange juice group or whatever. They had a great restaurant and then they expanded and they continued to expand and continued to expand. And then suddenly they collapsed and simply disappeared from the earth. Uh, do you remember that? And and that was a local thing in Sacramento. And um, And I just thought, you know, how does this happen? And your book actually explains exactly how that happens again and again and again. So tell me yes. about the book in your words. Well, there's a problem that businesses have, an inherent structural problem. Organizations, businesses yearn for stasis. They want dependability. They want predictability. They do not want change. They want to know what's going to happen. They don't want surprises. They exist in an environment of constant change. And that constant change is accelerating every single day. Right. Those two things are at odds with one another, and it creates great friction. What my book does is it presents the research I found of what makes businesses fail. As you said, I explain it over and over and over again. Well, what good does that do? Just letting me know how they fail. Well, the good that it does is it helps you understand how to avoid failure. Because organizations have a predictable life cycle, I can show business people how to structure their business so that it has great durability and can weather the storms of change. Plus, it helps them understand what's coming so they can prepare for it. Now, you can't stop change. Nobody can. But at the very least, if you can prepare for it and be ready to embrace it and benefit from the things that it brings you that you didn't have before, that's a win. And it removes a lot of the friction that exists in the environment. So what's interesting about that, and I, I, I literally, I want everybody to stop rewind 15 seconds and listen to what you just said <laughs> that you know what happens is we think about business maturity as certain stages but that's actually a separate thing it's it's related obviously but it's separate because you will go through many many changes right there you know for, for your model there are three primary changes of or three primary stages of maturity but there's many, many changes, right? There's changes to the Correct. environment. There's going to be a national, uh, uh, you know, recession or a pandemic or, you know, stuff happens every day. Uh, wars come and go. The economy comes and goes. Competition comes and goes. So there's lots and lots of changes. And, and so it is, are you saying the inability to deal with change, like it, to effectively, appropriately deal with change? Or is it just the ability or inability to deal with growth to the next level? No, it's an inability to deal with change. Um, let me give you this as an example. Um, on my website, it says no business ever failed due to external factors. So the first argument somebody gives me is, well, what about COVID? Look at all the businesses that fail. Well, retail was not part of my research. So I don't claim to have any knowledge about any organization with primary sources of revenue from retail activities. 
But let's talk about COVID and the change that that brought and how a, a company would have been decimated had they not been prepared. Disney Corporation's stock tanked in the first half of 2020. Think about it. They make their money based on massive groups of people coming together and interacting in close quarters. If there ever was going to be an organization that was going to collapse, you would think that would be the perfect candidate. In the fall of 2020, Barron's wrote an article about the amazing work that the board of Disney did to retool their revenue models on a dime and became the darling of the market in the late 2020 and early 2021 by shifting. They suffered just like everybody, no doubt about it. But because they were well-engineered and because they were prepared for change and because they knew how to handle change, they were able to pivot on a dime. This is this is Disney. This is a massive corporation. Big corporation, yeah. It's It can be done. It's about understanding that you do not have the option of avoiding change. So if we can't avoid it, let's prepare for it as best we can. And that's what I teach business owners how to do. You know, it's interesting in our industry, and you've seen this uh, because you're, you're in tech, um, there's certain periods where it's like a, literally a watershed where people say, I will not learn this new technology. I, I, I will not learn Active Directory. And then all of these technicians basically retired or went out of business around 2000. And then they say, like, oh, I will not learn the cloud. And then a bunch of them went out of business in, you know, the 2008 to 2011 period. And, and you know, it, there's always something changing in our industry. And there seems always to be people who literally make the conscious choice. I will not learn this new thing. Um, are, are they literally saying my business has to come to an end? Yes. That was a very short, sweet answer. I can expand. Um, if you don't accept the fact that the world around you is changing, if you say, I'm never going to change, I'm never going to do anything different, you're going to die. There's an old saying, businesses that aren't growing are dying. There was a movie called Other People's Money with Danny DeVito, which had one of the most powerfully insightful lines I've ever heard in a movie. He talked about this issue of change. He says, it doesn't matter how good you are if you never have a market to sell to. If you were the best buggy whip manufacturer in the world, all you got was a growing share of a shrinking market. And eventually it's unsustainable. So when you say, I'm not going to change, what you're actually saying is, I'm going to close my business. And I don't ever want to argue with those people. It's their business. They have a right. It doesn't change the fact that if you're not growing, you're dying. And, and again, I get so much pushback on this. I go to these extreme models to make my point. Okay, let's say that you're never going to grow. I don't want more employees. I don't want more customers. I don't want any of that stuff. Well, if you're long, if you're long lived enough, eventually your customers are going to either go out of business or die. But no matter what they do, they're going to change. 
And the value of the product or service you're delivering to them is going to change. Probably it's going to become of less value, like the bubbly web. So your revenue stream is going to shrink. Plus, the world is changing, and so is the world your employees live in. And they're going to leave. They're going to go away. They're going to retire. They're going to get sick. But they're going to be yearning for new knowledge and new opportunities, most of them. It's human nature. And you're going to lose them. Again, if you don't want change, that's okay. But just get ready to put the closed sign, closed for good sign, out. <laughs> closed for good. Now I'm going to make signs to sell on, on Amazon. Um, okay, speaking of Amazon, folks can get this book, Businesses Don't Fail, They Commit Suicide by Larry Mandelberg on Amazon or what is your oh. website where they could buy it? Well, there, there's several places. There's Barnes & Noble and then the, the website for the book is businessesdontfail.com. No apostrophe in the don't, just right. no spaces, no letters, no punctuation, businessesdontfail.com. Well, it's got letters. Yeah. Letters. <laughs> Did I say no letters? Sorry. Yeah, so, so, yeah we'll keep the letters. Businessesdon'tfail.com. Uh, uh, so uh, very cool. Now I, I do have to say, well, so one last thing is I love the fact that, uh, you know, you come from an automotive background. I think the automotive industry, you know, the, the business that your dad ran, think of the changes li literally every 10 years. Right. When he started, there was no such thing as an airbag. There was no such thing as analog bricks, uh, you know, and, and so that industry continues to change. And if you, you know, if he were still around in running that business today, he'd be selling parts for electric cars and having to learn high voltage and low voltage and things that literally did not exist, uh, you know, when you were 10 years old. Right. So um, the world continues to change and the ones who survive just embrace the fact that five years from now, the entire world's going to be different and I'm going to be there no matter what it takes. And, and they are, they have that mindset of moving forward. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and I want to make one word change, just one little uh, minuscule change of the words you use. I'm not interested in helping organizations survive. I'm interested in helping them thrive. Excellent. Well, thriving is, is what it's all about. Very good. Uh, thank you for being here. And uh, I have read, <laughs> I've read most of this book before it was printed, and now I'm reading it again after it's been printed, and I'm loving it. So uh, I encourage everybody to go out uh, to your favorite place for buying spectacular books uh, and get uh, Larry Mandelberg's newest book. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Carl. Mark your calendars and plan to be with us May 17th and 18th as we bring you the 2023 SMB Online Conference. Check us out at smbonlineconference.com. You'll find we have more than a dozen speakers and two days filled with presentations, plus 
a format that really works for online conferences. Save $100 by registering today at smbonlineconference.com. All right. So our MSP question of the work of the week, I actually um, saw that Eric Anthony, who owns the All Things MSP group, um, he posted a question asking about uh, your use of SLAs, if you're using them and what they contain and stuff like that. And what caught my eye is then his next post the next day, which said, Hey, how come when I asked this question, I got his quote, zip zero nada responses. <laughs> and typically that group is very active with lots of responses to every post. And it's a really great group to, to be a member of if you're not. Um, so check it out. But he asked, you know, why, does anybody actually care about SLAs from an, S, from an MSP anymore? And I thought that was a, a very good question. I personally, as an owner of an MSP, have never had an SLA on our services. Yeah. So, so that's interesting because I think many people use the term SLA to mean contract, mm -hmm. and it is not. And I've never had a, an SLA. I've had contracts. I'm big on the contract, but uh, I don't believe a service level agreement. I don't think you should give money back if uh, if something goes wrong. Yeah, I, my experience, most MSPs talk about SLAs really as client expectations. Like we have a best effort response of, of X and a best effort resolution of Y, uh, but they don't want to put it in writing and be held accountable to that. It's more of on the marketing or setting expectations. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Carl. I don't see it as a, an excuse to give money back. Well, you know, no, to me, a, this is this is a relationship business. So as long as we all know what the relationship is, then the SLA is less important, right? As long as we're just all happy with how services are being provided, then exactly the con the terms of the contract are being satisfied, and we keep doing business together. Yeah. Well, and uh, I think it's it's just such a generic term and most people don't really have an opinion. I do think a lot of people started offering SLAs or offering uh, even you know, ex expectations in writing because the vendors of the PSAs make it very easy to just say, oh, what, what, when do you expect a, an acknowledgement? When do you expect the job to start? When do you expect the job? They can just program that in and it's like very little coding. Um, and then people think that they have to do those things. But if you just talk to your client and say, are you happy with what we're doing? And they say, yes, you're probably okay. I think it's much better to spend your time going to lunch with a client than <laughs> worrying about your uh, response times. Yeah. Completely agree. So I have a topic that occurred to me yesterday that I thought would be fun to discuss. Um, here at here at Channel Partners Conference, and yesterday we had the really pleasure of seeing Scott Kelly, astronaut, speak, mm. and he was a he was a excellent speaker. Really, 
informative and entertaining and told great stories. And, um, and one of the stories that he told was about how um, he doesn't think he's that smart, right? Mm -hmm. That he struggled in school, that he had really no interest in school, that he had a hard time focusing. He said, you know, today he might be labeled as ADHD or something like that. Um, and that all along the way, he just talked about how he, you know, almost got kicked out of college and didn't really think about going to college so much so that he went to college thinking he was at a different one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he yeah. wanted he to go to a football to the... game and yeah, they were like, they were like, we don't have a football team. He's like, oh shoot, I thought I, I thought I applied to that school. He literally <laughs> went to the wrong college. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, um, you know, so he had this remarkable career and this not amazing educational background. Um, and he talked about how he also, you know, failed in the Navy as far as, you know, he almost got kicked out of being a, a fighter pilot. And now he had to sort of, you know, convince people to let him back in. And, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, things started kicked in and he was flying the space shuttle and he ended up spending a year in the space station, which is the longest anyone's ever spent there. Amazing. Um, and, and yeah, really amazing. So it's this very interesting tale of somebody who just like doggedly mm -hmm. pursued what they wanted and, you know, decided that, oh, if it's hard to do, then I just need to break it into little pieces and, and continue on it until I find my way to my goal. And I know that all of us old timers in this business sort of came to this from very um, indirect processes as well. What I'm what really made me wonder is like, is this possible still today? Right. So now that the astronaut program is more mature and the IT industry is more mature, is it even possible for you to start off as a psychologist and then find a find an interest in computers and suddenly take a you know sharp right turn in your career? Mm -hmm. Or are we requiring think people to maybe, start? Maybe I Maybe I'm not starting too late. I could go become an astronaut. So. <laughs> they need to tech test the effects of radiation on people over a certain age, I'm sure. Yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah. Amy, that's an interesting point. Uh, I think anything's possible, uh, even nowadays. But you know, to my point, what's interesting, uh, or the point I wanted to make, is I love the humility that uh, that he had. And I think when people talk about obstacles or you know, perseverance and overcoming deficiencies or, or struggles or failures in their life. I think people connect to that because it's it's really, it's honest uh, feedback and we've all had struggles and it's easy for people to get up on stage and talk about all their accolades and their awards and accomplishments. But I think we learn more about one another and when, when we're real and talk about our struggles, you know, because life isn't always, you know, perfect. You know, we would go through our ups and downs, but um, I, I love hearing stories like that um, and where people are real and, uh, you know, you kind of hear more of their true colors. And then it's a great success story, really, when you think about it. It's well, and, and a lot of times people get up on stage and they make it sound like it's easy, right? Right. right. I, I did this amazing thing. It was like, okay, wait, you worked your tail off for, you know, 30 years and then suddenly you were successful. So... Amy, talk a little bit about uh, the conference 
Um, you know, how many people are there? What, what else uh, besides that keynote? What else have you have you learned? Um, as you know, it's the first time I've I've been to this conference. It's the Channel Partners one. It's started life as a telco show. Now it's kind of a mix of telco and, and MSP. And yeah, um, it's 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 very it's a very interesting show. It's very much more um, expo focused and talking to vendors and stuff. Although there are there are sessions, but there's not like multiple tracks going on. There's um, there's a lot of breakout rooms by vendors where you can really, you know, interact with them and they're giving their own little presentations on their stuff. So it's a different setup than what I'm used to, but uh, it's it's been good. I really have enjoyed it. Yeah, there's a lot more people that are attending that than I anticipated and uh, kind of regret not scheduling myself to to get out there. But it's kind of fun in our industry. It seems like we're all connected in one way, shape or form, right? especially on social media. So like when everybody, you know, is going to one big show, you know, I saw dozens and dozens of posts from all different people like, oh, I'm headed to Las Vegas. And uh, anyway, it's. Uh, yeah, it, there's, there are a lot of people, I think they're saying about 8,000. And mm -hmm. I don't know how to measure those numbers. There are lots of people here, but I can't tell you if it's 3,000 or 8,000. It just, yeah. it's a big number. Whatever yeah, it is. huge, huge number. Huge well, cool. Um, well, one of the things, you know, as I was in the vendor hall, and actually they have two vendor halls. They have an MSP Expo, and then they have the Channel Partners Expo. And the MSP Expo is a smaller room, and the Channel Partners Expo reminds me of like the Home and Garden Show when, <laughs> I don't know if in your area right. where they have these huge stadiums of, you know, the Home and Garden Show, just because the booths are so enormous. Yeah. They're not your typical six by six or eight by eights. These things, like every one of them is like 20 by 20. And, and there's, you know, a couple hundred of them in there or several wow. hundred. I mean, it's an enormous place. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, as it was going through, and, and of course, there's just gobs of security firms, right? Everybody wants to help you with your security. Um, all the security vendors in the world. Uh, I've noticed attending conference over the years, always, there always tends to be a theme in the vendor hall. And, you know, security is the, the big theme in all the vendor halls now. But as I went around, and I was talking to them, um, the story was all the same. And it was a little disheartening to me hmm. because the story was our security product is so easy. Hmm. It's so easy. You're going to, you're going to just deploy it with a single click and it's going to take you, you know, five minutes to do it and everything will be secure from then on. Yeah. And after, you know, after going from one to the other, to the other and hearing the same story about, you know, how easy it is to to secure everything if you just use their product mm -hmm. um i just thought to myself is easy good like why why is this a good thing that it's so easy like what happened to to having some level of expertise exactly exactly that's that's our value in the channel remember the remember the good old days when when vendors would tell you how painful it was to install or how long it takes or the learning curve, because it's all consulting dollars, right? And that's really where we make the most money. Um, I always liked those 
uh, products better, but. Uh, well, uh, I do, I do too, you know, and I guess, you know, I, of course I'm a Microsoft person and Microsoft gets a lot of grief for having every option in the whole world for every possible <laughs> business from two True. people to, to 200,000 people. True. Um, they try to, you know, be the one thing for everybody. Um, but, uh, you know, if the security product is so easy to install, and that's the only thing that they really wanted you to take away from their messaging was how easy it was going to be able to, to use their stuff. Um, that means that you're putting all of your trust into that company. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because it's going to be they're managing everything for you, essentially. Right. You know, there might be a few things for you to click on here or there, but it um, not much. They're pretty. They've got it super, super simple. Mm -hmm. um, you know, which helps them sell it to all comers. But you're you're really you're putting you're putting your trust in that that basket when you select it. So select right. it very very carefully. That's a good point. Good point. Did you see any new technologies yet there at the show? Of, of working through any of the vendors, anything new and exciting? Um, I didn't see anything super new and exciting. I saw some things that were new and very late to market that was surprising to me. Like there were some vendors that were selling um, devices that's essentially, you know, a box with a whole bunch of hard drives in it. It takes your local data and syncs it to the cloud. Well, you know, we've had those things for a long time. And here, you know, they were making, trying to make the big splash with their new idea. Um, and there was another one that was a uh, camera that you could set up in a server room to um, surveil and monitor the temperature of that environment. And, um, you know, he was giving me the whole sales pitch. It was very enthusiastic. It had a very cool look to it. And I was like, you know, this is all really wonderful, but we don't, we don't have racks of servers to support anymore. So I'm, yeah. he, see, he, he goes, oh, you know, the last guy I talked to told me the same thing. <laughs> I, I felt, felt a little bad, you know, it was like big splashy new technology and it just, just too late to market. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for you for being brutally honest, but, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Well, I wish I was there. Still a little jealous. I didn't carve out time on my calendar. I didn't realize it was such a huge uh, conference, but um, maybe you can report more good things um, next go around. But... All right. Well, I think that's all of our content that we had prepared today. We could talk a little bit. I, there's another question in here about the recession. Do you want to discuss that for a minute and then close out? Sure. Okay. Um, all right. Last topic for the day. I'm hearing a lot about a worldwide recession. You know, and all, all signs point to it if you look at what's happening with the stock market and banks. And it's not just the United States. It's all over the whole world experiencing the same thing at the same time just shows how interconnected our economies are these days. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, every MSP and all of our small business clients are reporting that things are booming. They still have a lot of unfulfilled filled jobs that they would like to hire for. 
So we still have a shortage of employment people and um, they have tons of business and aren't seeing aren't seeing a decline in that, but yet mm -hmm. there's a little nervousness out there because everything in the news is negative. So make I don't know if it's just gonna be a particular segment of the market that happens to grab the headlines mm -hmm. that's going to have the recession or if it is really gonna end up trickling down to the S&B marketplace eventually. Yeah, that's a, that's a, good, that's a good point. Um, so, I run the mastermind peer groups and in our peer groups, we talk weekly about what they're seeing, you know, pipeline, just marketing activity, their current customers, you know, are they raising their hand because they need more equipment or more services, more projects. And across the board, everybody is, especially the past, uh, you know, I'd say month and a half, the activities really picked up. So most of the, the the size of MSPs that I typically work with are between one and 10 million. They're all showing a big uptick in, in projects from current clients, you know, growth, additional employees, uh, and or, you know, still also a lot of M&A activity going on out there. There is one client I work with that's a $500 million plus integrator. They do more infrastructure, a lot of equipment sales, and they've seen a downtick because a lot of their clients are, are enterprise uh, clients. Uh, so they they slowed down a little bit, tail end of last year, Q1, but Q2, it's it's starting to pick up again. So there's, uh, you know, bigger opportunities coming for them. So I think most, for the most part, uh, most of the listeners, I think are in that, that one to $10 million range. Uh, but to me, that's a great sign, you know, because you can't always believe what you read on the internet or what you hear on the news. Um, but, uh, you know, the, there's a lot of uncertainty out there, but uh, as long as you're marketing yourself, right, Amy, I think you got nothing to worry about. You know, you can just grow right through the turbulent economic climate. But uh, at least that's what I'm seeing on on my side. What, yeah. are, what are you running into? No, same, same, it just, um, the, what you read in the news is not the reality for, um, you know, for the SMB marketplace. I think it, it may be that it's particular sector related or, right. or something like that. I mean, we might, but something to keep an eye on it, but it's definitely hitting the headlines much more so than it's hitting the individual. And, um, you know, as Carl likes to say, you, you are an economy of one. So, just right. Because just because there's a recession on doesn't mean you have to participate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a good that's a good point. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly interesting, but, you know, we could be one event away from things getting really bad. So uh, I think we're more volatile than ever uh, globally. But um, I try to just read and watch the economic indicators as much as I can and at least I keep a closer eye on the Midwest because that's where I'm I'm based, but everything is all thumbs up uh, out here. So yeah. um, we'll, well, we'll keep everybody posted. That is good news. Yeah. All right. Well, Carl had to run off to do some coaching. So it's up to you and I to close out for today. So thank you, James, for the great conversation. And we'll see you next week. All right. You bet. Thanks, Amy. Take care. Hey. 
Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.